This is Martina Dockery from the Mixed Bag Music Show. I'm just dropping by to let you know about an exciting opportunity to advertise on Ross FM 94.6 and on our website, rossfm.ie. Have your ad on the air this week and remind Roscommon that you are open for business. Take advantage of our competitive rates and submit your application today at rossfm.ie forward slash advertise. So do it today. We're waiting to hear from you. Ross FM supporting local business. This product is for over 18 existing adult smokers and vapors only, as it contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive substance. It's time to seize the day and discover the unseen. Enjoy nicotine anytime, anywhere. With Nordic Spirit Nicotine Pouches, just place one gently under the lip and feel the tingling sensation. For up to 60 minutes or less, it's up to you. Without tobacco, without smoke, without smell, without fuss. Nordic Spirit in smooth mint or berry citrus. It's the Nordic way to enjoy nicotine. Follow us on Instagram at nordicspirit underscore ie. Join me, Jim McCausland, for the Business Hour on Ross FM every Thursday from 5pm to 6pm for all your business news and business chat. And with us in the studio today, all the way from Dublin, we have Paul O'Connor. Paul, you're very welcome to the studio today. Thank you for joining us here. Thank you, Susan, and thank you for inviting me. I'm delighted to be here in Roscommon. And we're absolutely delighted to have you, Paul. It's fabulous to have somebody like yourself down with us here on a Monday. Oh, stop. I'm getting a big head. (laughs) (laughs) So, Paul, basically, uh, just to tell our listeners, Paul is an entrepreneur and who works in the hospitality industry. And, Paul, we're just going to have a little chat with you about how you started out in life and how you've progressed to where you are now. So can you talk to us a little bit about what life was like growing up? Were you business minded as a child and and basically how things were for you uh, growing up? Yeah, well, um, my father was a shoe designer um, in his teens and then a manufacturer, uh, well, worked as a manufacturer, I should say. And then later in his 20s, he managed the the business. And later on, he actually um, created his own business, as well as manufacturing in Ireland. He later imported from um, the East and other places. So my background was really in business, like it's what we were used to growing up. Right. Okay. And would you say that you were kind of business minded as a child or did it occur to you that in later life you wanted to get into business yourself or do different things? I I did. I didn't have any interest in getting into the shoe business because um, uh, as a child growing up, like every uh, summer holidays was spent working for my dad uh, along with my sister <laughs> and um, so we uh, we worked pretty much all of our holidays um, right. and sometimes weekends for, for dad but that's what you do when he was creating a new business so um, so we got used to it but by the time I'd finished I went to UCD and by the time I'd finished there I uh, the last thing I wanted to do was go into the shoe business and guess where I ended up? The shoe business? I did <laughs> <laughs> So um, briefly, I I managed uh, shops in Dublin for my family and shoe shops in Dublin. And then, uh, you know, the economy was really going flying along and I decided, okay, I wanted to open my own shoe shop which I did in Kilkenny. Um, I I chose Kilkenny for a couple of reasons. Um, One, because I didn't want it to be mixed up with my family business. And I definitely I wanted an independent business. So um, I I opened there. Plus, also, I love the city and um, I've great friends there. I still do to this day. So um, so we'd eight and a half good years in Kilkenny and um, it was great. It was wonderful. But I sort of reached the stage where I needed to move on. Right. Okay. So was it your friends who drew you to Kilkenny initially? It was. Yeah. Right. Okay. And you just love the town. I do. And they're still there. And I cried to go back. I mean, and obviously current environment doesn't make it as easy or hasn't made it as easy for the last two years. But I did get down to them during the summer and um, 
yeah, so I like to keep in touch with, with my Kilkenny friends and some some of which, you know, they're children or whatever in Dublin now, but it's um, it's just nice. I like the city. It's a nice, it is a nice spot, Kilkenny. It's, mm. it's a vibrant town. Well, when I was there, um, the, the local community sort of realised I had little more than a little bits of interest in food (laughs) and I got um, let's say uh, dragged very willingly into the Savour Kilkenny Food Festival so um, I worked on that for you know in a casual capacity really for about three maybe four years and uh, I enjoyed that in fact one of the highlights of that for me was actually organising a um, a pop-up from um, Yannick and Louise chefs from Noma nice. um, Noma who you know the best restaurant in the world and uh, yeah so uh, the, the tickets were well they were the hottest ticket in town <laughs> but uh, that was exciting but actually the whole my whole experience there was very good and I made great friends and still do and is that what made you decide you wanted to be involved in the hospitality and the food industry specifically, Paul? Well, before that, um, as part of, you know, just going back to when we were growing up and my dad was busy and then he was traveling to Hong Kong and so on, you know, for business. His treat for us as a family was when he came home was to bring us to restaurants. So there were five of us in the family. So the five O'Connor children were sort of (laughs) dragged off to various restaurants in Dublin, some of the very best, actually, and, 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 you know, just restaurants regular ones and um, and Asian ones um, and we uh, I sort of had an interest then and I had an interest in you know sort of chefs and how they execute uh, their food and right. you know so that was that was more significantly the start of my interest in food. So it actually has been with you for a long time, like since you were a child. It has. And, you know, my grandfather, my my dad's dad, used to um, bring spices home from his uh, work travels to India when he was a child. And that went on to my father. So we got used to having spices and we got used to going to Asian restaurants at a very young age. That's actually interesting because in Dublin around that time, like, you know, it wasn't really heard of mm. that people experienced Asian cuisine. I know. Well, you can imagine the seven of us, mum and dad, and the five <laughs> of us trekking in. They got to know us pretty quickly. I'd imagine. <laughs> yeah. So did you have a love for Asian food in particular or did you just absolutely love all cuisine? I, I love all food, but I do have a particular grow for Asian food, right, now I have right. to say, you know, so uh, which has led to other things. But um, I, I, I do I do love Asian food. You know. So, Paul, what was how did you progress then from Kilkenny and the pop-ups and the food festivals how did you move on from there say towards where you are now I um, was approached by a friend to open a restaurant in Dublin and we were talking about it and I mentioned it to another friend who actually also showed an interest in getting involved so the three of us opened um, a restaurant Farm Hill restaurant in Goatstown and um, little did I know what I was doing <laughs> but uh, no it was a wonderful experience it was really interesting and actually it's given me lots of uh, knowledge I suppose about kitchens and restaurants and chefs and food some of which I didn't nearly need to know <laughs> so um, was it a tough industry it's very tough to be involved it's in? very tough yeah yeah it's very tough and it's very difficult to make money in um, so really? Bravo to anybody who's doing it. Yeah, it is. Yeah, margins are very tight, and uh, so um, I wouldn't. I would have imagined there were large margins in the food. You see, this is this is as little as I know about the food industry. No, it's 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 actually quite tight. Wow, interesting. Yeah, and and I believe just. You know, going to today, I believe prices have gone up enormously for restaurants, you know, for a lot of their post-Brexit and everything else and COVID. Um, that, that prices of their goods coming into restaurants are up about 30 percent. So that's very that's difficult. Sick. And with a tight margin to begin with, that's yeah, making it that's almost tough. impossible. Plus then they've the added regulations of being closed down or have limited numbers or smaller tables and distances, which is all obviously very important um, at this this time well, for all course. of us yes of course but, but it's still um, very tough it's, on it the industry it keeps it very tough on the industry you know so so you had a uh, farm hill for 8 years Eight years. And when did you... Oh, no, I didn't. I'd, sorry, I'd, I'd farm... I had my shoe shop for eight years. Oh, sorry, food shop. I'd right. farm hill for uh, three and a half years, I'd say. And but when did you move away from that? Um, I, You know, 
I, it's sort of about the last six months that we were open. And we'd had great reviews in the newspapers, really great, you know, in, 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 in everywhere from the Irish Times, the Sunday Business Post, um, the uh, Sunday Independent, Irish Independent, you know, so. That was fantastic. It was. Paul, it was good. It was we'd a focus. We had a focus on Irish produce. Um, and uh, really good Irish produce. And I wasn't willing to um, actually just change that, even though yeah. Yeah, you could have gone a cheaper role and imported stuff. But actually, I'd rather stick with quality. And that's what I wanted to be a quality restaurant. But, you know, it didn't work, actually. So I and I've no qualms about saying that. But um, it was a very interesting experience. <laughs> I can imagine. So after Farmhill then, you moved into a different area somewhat. I did. It was sort of progression, really, um, because all through this, you know, from from the festivals and going to the festivals and working with food producers, um, I had the pleasure of working for a few years in a a casual capacity, really, with the um, temporary food producers. Um, who's who's an umbrella group for for, uh, producers in in Tipperary. And I learned a lot there too. But I actually, they were also really nice people to work with. So so that's great. And uh, it's sort of my whole area of thought then was, okay, I like this area, I like festivals, I like whatever. What can I do? And... uh, at this stage, I was uh, visiting restaurants in town pretty regularly with a lot of um, interesting people, <laughs> um, journalists and friends and so on, right. and uh, which was which was great and um, and is great. But I um, I I just thought, how do I progress from here? And then I was approached um, to run an awards for Asian food. And uh, I did that for five years. Wow, five years! Mm. Excellent. Yeah, at which you were judged one I year, or more than one year. Yeah, <laughs> I was, yeah. and, and was delighted to be, Paul. Thank you. Uh, so, um, I, uh, I've, but I'm moving on from that now. And last year, um, around Christmas last year, uh, Suzanne Campbell, uh, who's a journalist and presenter at RTE. Um, who's also a friend, said to me over lunch, you know, would I be interested in getting involved with the Irish Food Writing Awards that she wanted to create, um, which is an award that sort of recognises excellence in writing about food and drinks in Ireland. And I thought about it over Christmas, and then in January of this year, um, Suzanne contacted me again and said, well, what's, what are you thinking? And... I'd actually my my real train of thought was I think we're going into a lockdown. Little did I know how long, but uh, so I thought that'll probably last a couple of months, and uh, so that gives me plenty of time to actually work on these or our two of us to work on the awards together. So uh, two months became with lockdowns and everything else became ten months, and we eventually got around to between various lockdowns to have an awards ceremony on the tenth of October in. Um, in Dublin, and it was a great success, thankfully. Uh, thanks to all of our sponsors, actually. Um, oh, you with had it. some fantastic sponsors too, didn't we, you? We did, and it would have been very difficult to to well, it would have been impossible actually to to do the awards without them. I mean, and I mean everything on the level from you know small Irish producers to to top you know supermarket stores. And and all in between and, and, you know, spirits manufacturers and beer manufacturers. So we we had award categories for for spirits writing, beer writing and so on, wine writing. And um, but and then there was a lot of obviously different food categories ranging from uh, sort of, you know, sort of uh, online food writing, which, you know, would suit everyone from bloggers to some journalists. And right up to um, the top journalists in the country um, who attended our awards, uh, most of whom attended our awards. And um, it was it was a great success. So from that, we're growing into the awards for 2022. And um, uh, we'll start planning that after Christmas. (laughs) 
So do you think it's going to be another 10 months of work involved in the second year? Well, I, you know, we have a lot of the groundwork done. You know, and the website is there. It's irishfoodwritingawards.ie. Um, so it's... Uh, we have the website, so it's just a matter of altering it, tweaking a few bits around the awards themselves. And so, you know, whether it'll be as long, it part of that also depends on our regulations and where yeah. we go forward into the new year. Um, and hopefully we will get out of this, but who knows? Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I imagine our workload will be a little lessened next year. You know, well, so. well that'd be great, and it was. Congratulations, by the way, Paul, Thank because you. it was an absolutely superb event. I I was watching on Twitter, and uh, for our listeners as well, it actually trended on Twitter, and I was so happy when I saw the hashtag. It I, was trending. I was fairly excited myself. I can imagine. Uh, I I actually came across the trend by accident because I was sitting at home one evening with my feet up, watching the telly, and kind <laughs> a well of deserved break. Yeah, f- flicking. <laughs> through Twitter on my phone and I spotted trending in Ireland IF, hashtag IFWA21 which is I Food Writing Awards 21 and I thought oh my god, god unbelievable. so I admi- immediately messaged uh, Suzanne Campbell <laughs> who is also equally thrilled with I'm it delight- so. delighted uh, for both of you it really was a fantastic event and I was so happy to see it trending. We, we were very happy that it, it actually it came through the way it did um, and that the work was worthwhile Yes. And and you know the journalists and writers and photographers and so on all all appreciated that yeah. an awards had been set up and they're getting to recognition to recognise them yeah for the work they actually put in absolutely whereas actually writing. they're quite used to um, giving awards to other people yeah. for uh, restaurants chefs whatever you know but for people don't realise a lot of work actually goes into writing about food absolutely you no know, so absolutely, it's, it's actually lovely yeah. that and you they know we like what's things that, that are becoming more apparent now in um, and prominent I suppose in in, in um, COVID times are uh, sustainability in food um, the importance of trying to use as much local produce as possible um, and we are an island you know country yeah. so um, and food is one thing we do produce here we do we have super know. food yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We good super, quality food we really do and um you know, it, so it was great to celebrate that, and uh, but to celebrate the, the journalists and writers who who spent their years writing about it, and and particularly through COVID, they managed to lift the spirits of many, you know, restaurants and and so on, yeah. who who actually were kind of thinking, gosh, you know, the times are tough, but they supported them hugely. Well, you that's know, great, so. and it is kind of an industry that tends to stick together and supports each other, which is very nice to see, Paul. Yeah, it's 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 you know, it was it. Was um, but it was it was never been done before, so this was the inaugural awards as well. So wow. um, and to trend on your first award I ceremony know, is, is a major thing, Paul. So I'm fairly delighted. excited. No, I can tell you <laughs> if uh, people could see your face now. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, um, but you deserved it uh, absolutely. So, um, what do you have in the pipeline going forward, or do you have anything in the pipeline? I suppose you've enough work with the awards and the whole oh, lot. Oh, oh, I do. Um, I have uh, been in discussion with someone uh, about um, a different Asian awards, Food Excellence Asian Food Excellence Awards, which will, yeah, so, but I have to keep that quiet for the moment. I'll talk to you again, Susan, about (laughs) it, though. Um, I'll be in touch and we'll happily talk to you again about it. But uh, that's something for uh, 2022 as well, Um, along with, of course, the Food Writing Awards, which, you know, we have to keep progressing because um, it, it went so well this year. You absolutely. Know. So that's going to continue now. It, it is. Yeah, an annual awards. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah, we're delighted. We were delighted with the outcome. We were delighted with the support um, of our sponsors. And a beautiful location as well. It, it, it was. It was a beautiful location. And uh, we had in the ballroom in Fallon and Burn. Now, it, obviously, it was uh, highly regulated and everything had yeah, to be checked yeah, and done. And it was yeah. kept within all regulations. So, uh, so yeah, so it was, it was wonderful. It was a great experience. I really enjoyed it. 
nothing wrong with hard work, you know. (laughs) Not if you absolutely love what you're doing. And I think just by chatting with you, Paul, you do absolutely love that industry. I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I love it. So you would say Uh, that you're actually living your best life at the moment. Oh, I'm definitely living my best life. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's it's it couldn't be better, really, you know, in every way. And I I am lucky in that regard. Um, I have good friends and and family, close family that I'm close to, very close to. And uh, I, um, I'm, I'm just happy with that. Well, you that's, know. that's actually a nice place to be, Paul. It is, yeah, yeah. And it's great that you got to fulfil something that you've been involved in since childhood and something that you've had a love for since then. And it's difficult to move from one industry to the next. So to go from the, the shoe stores into the food industry, I into know, the it was quite ceremony. A step. You're the blue, blue entrepreneur, Paul. <laughs> I think I'll be stopping after these ones, though. Never, never Paul. You can never, a true entrepreneur never stops. <gasps> But if you, for somebody starting out, Paul, who wants to get involved in either food writing or reviewing or anything like that, would you have any advice that you would like to give somebody starting in the industry? Well, well, a, a number of things I'd say to you is, is um, first of all, if you, if you, if you don't have the um, the the the, uh, the skill or the, the the ability to get you know a, a proper journalism qualification, it doesn't matter. You know you oh, can really? set up your own blog, and it doesn't have to be a, a specialised blog site that's going to cost you a fortune. You can set up a basic one, and you can do it actually free, to pretty much free of charge online. So and you can write your words. Um, Look to other people who write. I mean, probably if you're interested in doing that, you do that anyway and and see how they write and how they present things. Um, so uh, it, it, it actually is 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 can be progressed from, you know, for, for, from a simple, simple um, online site to uh, that doesn't cost you anything. Are very little and to 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 something much more in the career and it could be picked up and you don't know who's going to pick it up yeah of course you yeah, know yeah. so and that's why we're delighted to have that awards in, in those was in in our um actual award ceremony um that online writing was recognized and you know just because everybody doesn't have a career in journalism or is trying or starting out we also had emerging voice really we did oh that's excellent yeah and that was judged by the um the irish uh, food writers guild um so it was totally independently judged actually all of our awards are independently um judged we had some all and Apart from the guild, everything else was judged outside Ireland. Right. Okay. So we had some of the top food writers in the world. We had, really? yeah, um, we had like Jay Rayner, um, who some of you might know from MasterChef and wow. other things on TV and his writing, and um, Tom Parker Bowles. Uh, we had uh, Fiona Beckett, who is a renowned um, wine writer. We had Joanne Pye, who's a very well-known uh, photographer who's actually has photographs has been published in um, National Geographic and other magazines. Excellent. So, uh, and Adrian Miller in the United States, who of course who was um, an advisor to uh, both the Clinton and Obama administration really? in the United States. Yes, oh, excellent. So, and we actually we had a good few judges in the United States. Most of them didn't come over for the awards because of the restrictions with travelling. But Adrian did, and he did. He had to do his. his oh, he flew from the states. He did. He excellent. came over for the awards. Yeah, so he had to have oh, go through all his tests beforehand, tests after, yeah. tests before he went home but you know he did because he wanted to come to Ireland and and some of the others were really disappointed they couldn't but they were nervous about how much time it would take them up yeah. with PCRs which you know about and quarantine so yeah mm. so um so so next year too yeah we will we all of our judges will be outside Ireland except the food guild who who will hopefully judge the emerging uh writing award um, which is is very important because you know it really is and it really does give people who are starting out yeah it does there's a bit of recognition and hope it does of a career in writing yeah and and you know hopefully it gives them a push to write more and write better and 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 possibly pursue a career in it you know as um, so uh, yeah so that's all good but uh, it was an honour to have so many really well known judges 
Um, best in the industry. Really, it was Paul. the best in yeah, the industry. Yeah, had some fantastic yeah. names there like involved. A, a judges like Renny Redzepi uh, from uh, Noma in Denmark was was one of of our, our judges. As well, um, we had Charlotte Pike in the UK, writer in the UK, um, and uh, Trish Zane in France. So we had it was it was a broad uh, coverage of, of judges. It really was well done for getting mm. everybody involved, Paul. Yeah, well, I mean, Suzanne, it was th- Suzanne, this, it was Suzanne's course. dream. Now I will say that it wasn't my idea; it was Suzanne's idea very much so, and uh, she just asked me to to work with her to try and for make later, it happen, yeah. and we did make oh, it happen. Did. Congratulations to both of you! I'm so happy for you, Paul. Thanks, Susan. So, Paul, you were, we're just coming to the end of our interview now, but uh, I just want to say uh, a huge thank you for coming into the studio today and for having a chat with us um, next year at the award ceremony please God we'll be out the other end of Covid at that stage yeah, and hopefully. all of the judges from abroad can actually come over and attend and I just want to say that I wish you the very best of success with that for years to come and uh, I know that you'll continue your success Paul because you're very good at what you do <laughs> uh, Thank you Susan that's very kind you're of you and welcome. thank you very much for the invitation to speak here with Gosh, you you're more than welcome. Know, so. It was a pleasure speaking with you Paul and, Thank you and likewise thank you. This product is for over 18 existing adult smokers and vapors only, as it contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive substance. It's time to seize the day and discover the unseen. Enjoy nicotine anytime, anywhere. With Nordic Spirit Nicotine Pouches, just place one gently under the lip and feel the tingling sensation. For up to 60 minutes or less, it's up to you. Without tobacco, without smoke, without smell, without fuss. Nordic Spirit in Smooth Mint or Berry Citrus. It's the Nordic way to enjoy nicotine. Follow us on Instagram at Nordic Spirit underscore IE. Welcome back. I'm joined in studio today by Loretta Dowd of Loretta Dowd Properties. Loretta, I suppose, um, what advice would you give to first time buyers, people looking to to buy, get on the property, Laura? Well, again, similar to what I said earlier, um, it's probably the biggest investment of their lives. Um, it's it's a tough, um, it's tough to get into the buyers uh, or into buying your first home as such. So what I would say is start saving for the deposit early, um, get saving and talk to your bank or lending institution. Um, they will guide you as to what you qualify for with regards to your mortgage amounts. Um, they need possibly, if you're a first-time buyer, a minimum of 10% deposit. So, And also then you have to work out a budget. Be comfortable with what your repayments are every month. Uh, there's no point in overburdening yourself um, for, for a mortgage. Uh, but again, your lending institution will guide you on that. Um, then from there, I would say speak to your auctioneer. Keep in touch with the auctioneer because a lot of properties are coming on that they would know about and they would keep you advised uh, if there's a particular area that you're looking for. They might know of something coming up. Um, view and compare all your mortgages. Shop around, compare the rates carefully. That's very important. Um, from there, then you'd contact a solicitor who would carry out the conveyancing and that would be to do with the legal work to transfer the ownership of the new property into the buyer's name. Um, and then you're ready to start once you've taken those steps you're ready to start the hunt for your property um, go out and view a number of properties do a list of pros and cons um, it's, it's very difficult to acquire a property that is 100% what you require but we always try just keep an open mind is what I would say best match absolutely best match You can. it's very difficult to get the 100% match mm-hmm. but keep an open mind as well Loretta, if you're to make an educated guess about the domestic property market in the county over the next few years, would you reckon that we're going to see increases or decrease in the market price? Well, risk common property prices have actually increased steadily over the last number of years. Um, and it's claimed that we have probably the most reasonably priced houses. And due to the location of where we are an hour and a half from Dublin or Galway, um, you know, the prices have increased steadily. Now, obviously due to COVID, uh, COVID-19, this has changed the process as such and it's very, very difficult to predict. But I would hope that the property prices will increase steadily. And uh, as I say, there is a shortage of houses there in Roscommon. Um, there's a lot of buyers. So I would say it hopefully will increase steadily. Brilliant. Loretta, uh, with a lot of listeners that would be looking to do things with their house, 
to try and increase the value of their property. Uh, what kind of things would you recommend that people could do on a budget to try and increase the value of their property? Well, what I would say to anybody is get your auctioneer out to look at your property and they in turn will come in there uh, to your property and give an open mind of what they see uh, will increase the value of your house or what you need to do. For example, um, if something needs to be painted, uh, I would say paint your property. If you've always been, uh, see a lot of people living in a property will always say, I'll, I'll paint that next year or I'll paint that next year and it ends up never being painted. But just whatever areas in the property need to be painted, I would say freshen up with uh, paint. If there's any holes in the walls, fill it in. Um, and the biggest uh, item of all is to declutter. Um, a lot of people have, um, say, trophies, medals left everywhere, just an, as an example. But what I would say is it's lovely for you living in the property, but for somebody else coming in, you know, they might not see past a full wall of medals or trophies. So declutter and give everything its own identity in the property. For example, if it's a, if it's a double bedroom and maybe some people would have a double and a single bed in the bedroom it may not be able to take the single bed but just to give give everything its identity give it it's a double bedroom put the double bedroom and declutter that's the biggest thing and obviously for viewings as well you're going back to the fresh smells around the house the aromas yeah all i of seen that. a thing on the oh where was it i think it was on tv there a while ago about people that show ones around houses in the states and they're talking about cooking fresh baked products and <laughs> that the smell of this here uh gives a more homely feel to the house is that is well, that they claim, true is they that... claim that to be true but what i would say is if you're coming in and you've if, if the heat is on you have a lovely aroma around, around the house it is very inviting it's homely and people do often mention that on viewings um that a particular house is very homely and again as part of that, you'd have the fresh coffee smells, you'd have the baking or even just a nice aroma, not overpowering because some people, you know, some people you go into some houses and you can be overpowered by scents. And again, I suppose from the point of view of pets, um, you know, just again, by having a soft aroma, nothing too harsh. There's some people that would be coming around to look at houses and they mightn't uh actually like pets too much themselves so if you have a dog it's running around their legs or yeah, whatever well i would always advise as an auctioneer i would always advise because a lot it's not a lot some people are actually uh, afraid of of dogs or cats in, in that instance and uh, i would ask for the pet to, re to be removed from the property uh, while the viewing is taking part yes just a little bit of advice because some people love dogs or cats some people it's not that they don't it's just they have a fear of of dogs or cats Yes. Loretta, uh, next up, we're going to play your second choice of track for today. What have you got for us? Um, it's the Saw Doctors N17. Brilliant. Thank you.
Welcome back. I'm joined today by Loretta Dowd of Loretta Dowd Properties. Loretta, with COVID restrictions, it must be affecting the way you can show people around houses at the moment um, and and commercial properties, I suppose. uh, How are you trying to navigate this? Absolutely, yeah. Very trying times at the moment, COVID. I mean, nobody could predict what is happening out there at the moment, be it any business. But for myself, you have to actually think outside the box. Uh, viewings would have been restricted at, at some stages there over the months. Um, so you would have to set up what we call virtual tours. So it's you download an app and you give guided tours basically over the internet as such to people, uh, be it on daft.ie, which is where a lot of the properties are listed, um, or on Facebook. I find my Facebook pages has a large number of followers as well. And um, by showing people around the property virtually is an option that, uh, it's a great option for us to succeed in what we're doing and to be able to carry out our works. And uh, also, there's the likes of drone footage as well, um, you know, for the aerial views, aerial shots. That's also a big plus. And again, like everything else for Facebook, um, what I ask is if if anybody wants to see a particular section of a house, phone me up and I'll uh, just I can do a Facebook live uh, with that particular client and show them around the property as well. And it's a one to one as such. But again, it's like everything else. Um, obviously, it's very important from from the uh, hand sanitization when you're coming for viewings nowadays. Um, there was there's different restrictions as to the amount of people that are allowed in the properties, and also the masks. Everybody is used to wearing those masks now at the moment. They do. <laughs> Loretta, with the number of people working from home at the minute, do you think there's going to be more demand from people looking to relocate from the city to rural Ireland? We would hope that there will be a demand because we've seen it already. Um, a lot of inquiry have come in from the likes of people relocated from Dublin, we'll say, for example. I have a couple that um, have just purchased their property here in Roscommon. Um, they were told that they could work from home and they were originally purchasing a property in Dublin. And obviously there's a huge uh, difference in price between Dublin and Roscommon. Um, so luckily for them, they made the decision to move to Roscommon where they can work remotely. And they also can work, uh, they also have to attend the office uh, maybe twice to three times a week. And that is manageable for them because again, we have the motorway just up the road and your commute to Dublin is, is an hour and a half, which is fantastic. And uh, for that reason, um, 
you know, the amount of people relocating, I would hope, hopefully think that there would be a steady increase. Uh, there is a demand there for properties in the town. Again, as I mentioned, there is a shortage of uh, properties, but hopefully uh, everything will equal itself out over time. That's great because that there feeds into uh, local demand too. If more people are relocating the shops, they're shopping in the local area, the local shops are employing more people. Oh, absolutely. There's a knock-on effect, which is great for the town or for any community, be it Roscommon, Mayo, Galway. Um, you know, the rural areas um, are getting uh, their shops, their businesses are all, as I said, a knock-on effect. Yeah. Okay, Loretta, outside of work, I know you're actively involved with the Roscommon Harriers and you've took part in a number of fundraisers. Would you like to tell us a wee bit about the Roscommon Harriers? Yes, um, I got involved with the Roscommon Harriers really just to keep fit. <laughs> and uh, I got involved probably seven, eight years ago, roughly at this stage. Um, I was really a walker. I started off as a walker. And over time then, I gradually uh, got to, to the running level, as I say. Um, it's, it's an amateur club. And uh, a lot of people think it's just for running, but there's a lot of walkers involved in the club as well. Um, we're involved, we try and get involved with charities each year, give back to the community, which I think is very important. Um, and we'd have ran a number of uh, 5K uh, runs over the years uh, in support of, as I say, local charities, uh, which is very important to give back to the community. Mm. Um, I myself would have, um, as I said, started off as a walker, would never have intended to be a runner. But uh, last year I ended up doing the Dublin Marathon, 26.2 miles. The point well two was very important. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, delighted I did it. Uh, as I said, I, I wouldn't have thought I'd ever been able to do it. But just when you put your head down, um, everything is possible. Everything mm. is achievable. And delighted we did it. And as I say, the Roscommon Harriers here, Roscommon Town, um, we hold an annual event. It's a 10 miler each year, unfortunately, it didn't happen this year, as a lot of things didn't happen due to COVID. But um, we we hold that, and it brings in a huge gathering from all over Ireland and further afield for this event. And again, there's a knock-on effect for the businesses in the town, which is great. Yeah. Loretta, for anyone that's interested in getting involved with Roscommon Harriers, how would they make contact, or when do you meet up to do walking or running? Um, we train normally now obviously due to COVID um, we've had to postpone training for the moment uh, but we normally meet on a Tuesday or Thursday um, from the car park there in Roscommon behind the county council and we there's different sections there's the walkers group there is the beginner joggers and then there's the runners and then there's as I said the runners elite which is not me um, <laughs> so there's all different sections so it, it's very daunting uh, to come in at first but you can touch base with the we have a Facebook page uh, called the Roscommon Harriers and you can message us there and there's a committee there's a, a team of committee members and we'll give you back feedback as to when you obviously have to pay insurance for the year that's the only payment uh, which is critical for any event you know you need to be insured so again if for anybody thinking of um, registering just contact us on the Facebook page Roscommon Harriers brilliant stuff brilliant stuff okay that's all we have time for today I hope you've enjoyed our show I'd like to thank my guest Loretta Dowd for thank her time too. taking part and to Margaret McHugh for helping me produce this show uh, join me next Thursday from 5pm to 6pm our last music pick of the day by Loretta is Bruce Springsteen, Baby I Was Born to Run. Brilliant stuff. Thanks, Loretta. <laughs> Thanks a million, everybody.
Me, Jim McCausland for the Business Hour on Ross FM every Thursday from 5pm to 6pm for all your business news and business chat. 